Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Before we get started, we, of course, want to give the obligatory shout-out to you, our wonderful sponsors who make all of this possible and free to you. Thanks to SmartMark Video. Make sure you go to SmartMark Video and download the MP4 and digital downloads of all of our AIW wrestling shows, as well as buying a DVD if you still love that hard copy. Also, thank you to Angelo's Pizza. You can have Angelo's Pizza at any one of our live events. And then also make sure you visit Angelo's Pizza on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. It's award-winning, and everything is delicious. Uh, I just ordered the breaded mushrooms in memory of Buddy Landell. There you go. No, you didn't, you liar. I do like those, but breaded mushrooms. <laughs> Since when? S- Since Buddy quit getting them to us. That's a strange development. <laughs> and of course, thank you to Jack Prince, who takes care of all of our printing and signage and graphic design needs. You can do the same with Jack Prince and perhaps even get a discount if you follow AI Wrestling on Twitter. We always post the discount codes there. Make sure you check them out at jackprince.com. J-A-K-Prince.com. That's right. My name's Steve Guy. I'm the host or mediator, I suppose, of sorts. The guy who tries to keep owner number one and owner number two of AIW in line and on point as much as possible. You've already heard their voices. I'm joined, of course, weekly by John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. We want to say happy President's Day to all of you out there. And in honor of such a day, we are going to be joined on today's episode by the president of AIW himself, Matt Wadsworth. Welcome to the show, Mr. Wadsworth, or President Wadsworth. I don't know. How, how, how should I address you? He here? has a lot of names. There's he does. Matt Wadsworth, Rusty Johnson, Mortimer P. Flanagan. He's had, he's had quite, the, uh, quite the list of names in this <laughs> entertainment industry, so to speak. And yet none of them are memorable by most people. Oh, that's 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 too bad. You also recently celebrated a birthday. This is like a momentous occasion for you here with us. I a did. week week after your birthday, and it's President's Day. We're honoring you. But uh, before we even get to AIW, your time with like John Zorn predates all of that. I mean, how did you get into wrestling in general? I did. I actually grew up with John. Uh, his grandmother lived right over by my mom. He spent all kinds of time there. We were both wrestling fans as kids. Grew up together watching wrestling, and uh, eventually, John actually got away from wrestling. I did. John, I John. really got. I really got into the No Limit Soldiers. He oh and, my God, and yeah. the Death Row Records, Charlotte Hornets jerseys, the Master P. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was really into. I, I was really into like gangster rap music. Being a kid, a white man in the suburbs, white suburban kid. But he uh, he would make fun of me for still watching wrestling. So at that, that shit point. is stupid. <laughs> I was out of I was out of it for like probably twelve months. A little bit of time until I so uh, not too long until he discovered ECW. Yeah, along with then kind I was of like my hand. I had been recording it. I was like, now nah, this is this is something. This guy's got a kitchen sink. So we'd we'd always hit up the the ECW shows when they were in town and started like so many people. We we'd screw around in the backyard. We'd wrestle, we you know, with our neighbors, and came up with with goofy. Oh, the gimmicks. backyard wrestling! Oh, backyard wrestling! Yeah, the picnic tables were the were the top ropes, and the, the frog splash off the picnic table, and yeah, throwing super kicks. We I will give us credit. We were we were smart enough not to do like crazy setting each other on fire, barbed wire. I mean, it was 
Oh, well, he waited for AIW for that. <laughs> he did. Well, oh, no, actually, yeah. oh, I did actually, too. Egg. We'll get to that. Yeah, later. we talked about I'm the sure. OU episode. I'm sure we'll get to that one later, but I can't can't deny it. I have done barbed wire once. Um, but it, so through that, we we had met some guys that kind of ran goofy, untrained shows, and I know John's mentioned before that that we promoted those. I promoted those with him. And well, I, well, I guess before before we even get into that, I I think how what led us to these people was. Your life, just like Chandler Biggins, in the public access television industry. I'm the same actual show. I, it was the same show. I, it was a few years before Chandler would get involved. You paved the way for my my television <laughs> career. It was a... a SCP mom. was basically <laughs> Cleveland Wrestling Development. It was, and it, uh, it was a much more innocent show when I was on it. There were We were just getting to that point. It actually started out, they did... Uh, it was the entertainment for the local rec centers Friday night skating. Um, was how it started out. So they there'd be like oh, open. It got totally warped from that. Oh, night. it did. It was while I was on the show that they it was just it was transitioned. Just, just like the WWF, man. It went from being for yeah. kids right into the Attitude Era. <laughs> went, right, right into the Attitude Era. Right from the smoky rec center of Brooklyn, Ohio. But I. Why uh, did you say it like that? That's my Vince McMahon. That's not a good one. <laughs> I think I had more gimmicks on that show than. Uh, than most guys have in their wrestling career. I started out as a hillbilly. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that made the big heel turn when I became uh, aligned with some British aristocrat. I'm telling you, it's just, it was just and like then, wrestling. And I wish without the wrestling. This show, without, I, I wish this show was available on like YouTube right now for everybody to see. There, there's small clips on YouTube, but, but most of it is lost. In the basement of uh, Vincent J. Bishop's house somewhere. <laughs> the promoter. The promoter, Vincent J. Bishop. Yeah, what a creative name. <laughs> but I was I was involved in that, and that's how we got in touch with these guys that ran another kind of local, untrained. But they, they weren't backyard wrestling because they had a building, and they had a ring, and people came out and paid to see them. I remember you got hired to be the ring announcer in a Just Incredible shirt. I did from it, the crowd, and it literally was. We were going to watch the show, and they had no ring announcer, so they asked me to get in the ring and and ring announce, and didn't have anything for me to because wear because they because they recognized you from your fame on the local because public access television. They were show. huge SCP fans, as seen on TV, as seen on TV. Our ring announcer. <laughs> So, uh, so we used those contacts, John, and I said, "Well, we can do this." Damn. Said, "Yeah, these guys are doing it. We could figure it out." I wish we had a famous uh, ring announcer in AIW. We just got Steve Guy and sometimes Pedro. <laughs> Pedro, when he feels like coming out of retirement. Yeah. So we had uh, funny how Gino always available. <laughs> <laughs> that is a valid point. I never, never really put that together. Not even an argument. Like every other show, eh, maybe, maybe Gino, I'm available. That's well, because we gotta keep Steve Guy away from the girls. Oh yeah, <laughs> straining over Bud. Oh, you know, some of us actually are capable of talking to the girls, Chandler Biggins. Just because you wrote a book called "I'm a Wingman" doesn't mean. Oh, I, I was, I was for referring more to uh, Chandler Biggins being speechless in front of one female, as we've touched on before. Well, more yeah, than Carly one. Perez is not booked to GNO, by the way. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, you know, we 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 get hooked up with. Uh, with this untrained wrestling company, and then we go, these guys are just doing exactly what we do in our backyard. They just have a ring. So some guy in my math class, he gave me, he happened to have JT Lightning's phone number, and and his name was Fatal Concepts. Fatal Concepts. And Fatal Concepts hooked us up with JT, 
And JT didn't fucking know any better. He just thought we were, he thought we were just regular promoters calling to run his wrestling ring. He little, said, you guys little, got money? Cool. Little did he know that I was 15 years old. <laughs> and I, I don't can't remember if I told this story on the podcast or not. I know I've said it before, but JT actually booked me for a show. Same way Wadsworth. He just goes, hey, Biggins, I know you. Come on, bring an ounce of the show. So was like, that what, was that during your illustrious managerial run in the late nineties? <laughs> no, 90s? in the late nineties. No, that would be that was around the time I started with AIW. Yeah, so I mean, we we booked this show, and it just so happens that the week of the show, I had been I had made flyers that that said, "Come see hardcore teenage violence." Well, that week the Columbine school tragedy <laughs> happened. And I was passing out these flyers <laughs> promoting teenage violence. With a trench coat on or? No trench coat. But I was nearly expelled because they thought that this was a connection to the trench coat mafia. And there was a big, big uh, investigation launched by the uh, school board at Brexville Broadview Heights High School thinking that I was, uh, I was running the, <laughs> the, the Brexville, Ohio chapter of the trench coat mafia because I was passing out these flyers that said, Come see hardcore teenage violence and a thumbtack match. And meanwhile, I'm away at college for all this because I I was 19, 18, 19 as we're planning this. So I was away at college while he's doing all this, getting all these guys together from Brexville. Come back. We run the show. Well, we almost didn't get to run the show because of the Columbine thing. Um, and uh, there had been, I guess, local wrestlers or something were calling the venue. So like keeping this keeping this uh this Columbine thing going. So Josh Prohibition, like he's like nineteen years old at the time, he had to go he had to put on some shiny shoes and he had to go uh he had to I guess that was probably his first attempt at being an adult. <laughs> he, he had to go talk to this venue that had somehow agreed to rent to us uh and host this host this this wrestling event, which was god awful, by the way. Oh, it's terrible. It's, and I still have that one does exist on video. I have the tape. I found it at home one day. But from that show, that was a lot of what was featured in the like the commercials for the best of backyard wrestling, uh, like whatever VHS tapes that they were selling on Howard Stern. And that stuff. was the very first one. Josh and Matt's match on the very first one is the match we put them in on that show. And that was that was their first time ever being in a wrestling ring. They thought they were just gonna wrestle a couple times in their backyard and they thought that was that was it so i guess and there was also where jt first met him yeah that's that right. was where they were discovered by jt lightning yeah and jt was like hey you guys could probably be pretty good just based on what they were doing and kind of cut them a hell of a deal on on wrestling school like virtually free from what i understand this all sounds very sweet and nostalgic but matt you've listened to the show People want to know, and, and as Biggins sits here, I know he wants to know about the good drama and and the wild John Thorne stories that most likely exist from you these know, days. You know, he this was just... I mean, the guy just threw steel chairs now, and he's in his 30s. This was just before hey. the crazy days. It was a direct result of what we were doing, and the, the guys that we got in with, that's where crazy yeah, see, John Thorne was See, we got, we got mixed up in the wrong crowd, and... It was just it was just like the old story that you always hear. One goes one direction and one goes the other direction. I went in the real bad yeah. direction. I went away to college and he went with these guys to Canada. Yeah. And that was it's all downhill from there. And that's when I got my first rub and tug at the age of fifteen. 
And that was it. I wish I could say that's an exaggeration, but I know the guys, and I'm sure that actually happened. So, yeah, the guys, the only one that is still left from that from that crew of people is the Duke. Because uh, well, he's like a father figure. <laughs> yeah, he's something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I, that just that resulted in a lot of bad situations for me, I guess. Now, is this the show, because you guys were EIW. Yes. Was this the show that a live uh, chainsaw was be, like was running around through the crowd by itself? running. We had a guy who, on the show, from that other group that we were talking about, they said, we said, come have a match. So they decide they're going to have a six-man tag match, and they're going to go nuts, and one guy comes out with a chainsaw. But he isn't smart enough to gimmick the chainsaw and remove the chain. Oh, no, it's real. He comes out with a live running chainsaw, swings it around, and then sets it down in the middle of the aisle and walks to the ring. Just, But there was like, this is 1999. There's no barricades or anything like that. So there's just a chainsaw and a chainsaw. Vibrating on a gymnasium It's just vibrating closer to the people, and it's running. This this sounds like this was an Alex uh, Keller creative idea right here. They just just let this chainsaw go, and finally somebody stood up from the curtain. JT Lightning. Yeah, JT. JT is sitting there watching it going, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Finally runs over and kills this chainsaw. And he probably said, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) And I think at that point he realized... What the hell did I get myself into? What are what are the liabilities with like a fifteen year old and a chainsaw? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what could I have really been charged with? Well, the problem was my name was on it too, and I was. Oh, 18. you were of age. Yeah, a guy loses a leg, <laughs> just like you, Biggins. I've always had a squeaky clean front guy. <laughs> but we actually did run two shows. Oh yeah, the best. We did run two shows, and this will tell you how far John Thorne's come as a promoter, because he's told the stories here on the show about how they have to line up their calendar and they have to check all these other dates and all the other big promotions what they're running. You live and you learn, man. And Our, this this is this is this is the number one prime living uh, prime example of of living and learning. Our first show drew pretty well in Brexville. You know, not quite nothing near what AIW draws today, but for what we were doing, drew decently, friends and family. Our second show, we had to move, I'm sure partially because of a live chainsaw being yeah, that venue, around. That venue, after the combined Columbine allegations and the running chainsaw in the crowd, said, no, no more. Yeah, we're never done ag- with wrestling. Never again can wrestling ever come here. And that stood because it was, it's been almost 20 years now and i actually just had a meeting saying they hit you up like last year i just had a meeting first and they were they were still bringing up that wrestling event they were like we had one here one time man that sounds that sounds very chainsaw laying around the same old lady that booked that building was still booking it today and some young guy was in there trying to get events in and that old lady goes you know we had wrestling here one time and they brought chainsaws in. We can't be having chainsaws. I go, oh, man, that sounds really irresponsible. <laughs> but we run the second show, and we, we find an open date for this building that they had. And we line it up, and we, we promote it, and we get there. And there were maybe five people in the building, not including the locker room. And this is like a gigantic place. Like, it was It was a massive huge. roller rink. It was called the Roller World Arena. Like they, they would do. Where was this? Do you know? It's in Parma. It still exists. It's, still <laughs> it's under a different name now. It, it's actually, a, actually, it's, I think it's volleyball courts. Now. It hosted many a pro wrestling it, events. Tons of shows. This one in particular, five people there because the rest of the city of Cleveland was a little preoccupied that day because it was the Browns' opening game of 1999. 
For those of you that don't follow football or are Cleveland Browns fans, that would be the first professional football game played in Cleveland, regular season game, since 1995. Yeah, the new expansion team had come, and they had ruined our pro wrestling dreams. Yeah, they also they get they had Drew Carey at that too. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think you booked anybody with that high no. profile. We all we had was me almost killing John Thorne with a vertical suplex. Well, you were also on television. So. I think uh, I think our biggest star was KJ Fury. And he was he was years away from his appearance in American Wedding. Yeah, which was barely anything. <laughs> we we spent entirely too much time in the theater trying to figure out where he was in that Yeah, moment. he fucking lied. But yeah, we drew maybe five people. I was pissed off because a whole lot of money came out of my bank account that day. I was 15. I didn't really have any money. Yeah, he didn't have a bank account. I had some money at least. I proceeded to try to hit a vertical suplex on John Thorne. Lose control of him, but still attempt to finish it and almost break his neck. So what you're wrestling at this point. I no was wrestling. No, I was wrestling on those shows. Oh, he if was. You can call it that. He was. He had a hot little indie run as the franchise Pat Flanagan. <laughs> the franchise. Where'd you come up with that name? We were uh, we were entirely <laughs> too large of Triple Threat fans when we did the backyard stuff, and I was the only one that stuck with it. We but we all ran with the Triple Threat names. Who was the Bam Bam of the team? Uh, Bam Bam was our next door neighbor. Joe Zabala. Joe Zabala was uh, who became the Beast Nick Bass when we transitioned. You have a Francine? Uh, not then, but years later, I would have a Francine. The, the Francine. The actual Francine. <laughs> Before we jump ahead, though, uh, Roller World, I saw one of my favorite matches there of all time. This is totally off topic, but I saw a New Jack in a hardcore match against a guy who was a Nazi. Yeah, New Jack was Basket a, Nazi. He wasn't a Nazi. His name was The Basket Nazi. The Basket Nazi. We were and, on that show. And what had happened is, so we had booked New Jack against this one guy, and he didn't want to wrestle that guy. And then Chris Hammer just randomly showed up. He wasn't even booked. And uh, New Jack was out in the line, and this guy named The Basket Nazi walks up to New Jack, and he says, Hey, New Jack, I'm The Basket Nazi. I'm the hardcore guy in Cleveland. Which is awesome to tell New Jack. So New Jack begged all of us who were running the show, I want to wrestle that fucking Nazi guy. And we had we had to make him promise, because this is like, you know, mass transit era kind of New Jack. Like this Just is- after, just at the tail end of ECW, just before ECW showed up as part of the invasion. Oh, great. And this so is like this is the era New Jack you're talking. But this about. is like right after Beyond the Mat is out, so you hear about these justifiable homicides and right. stuff. And uh, well, New Jack wrestled the basket Nazi that Jack, night. Well, him and Chris, there. him and Chris Hamrick both beat the shit out. Yeah, because they went out there at the beginning of the show, and the promoter, despite the fact that that Hamrick and, and New Jack are supposed to be opponents at one point. He has Hamrick go to the ring with New Jack as he goes out there to interrupt the basket Nazis promo and tells Hamrick, listen, if he gets out of control, you need to you need to take care of it. And Chris Hamrick looks at him and goes, what in the hell am I going to do if New Jack wants to kill this? And guy? let's let's put let me paint the scene for you real quick. OK, pretty decently large crowd. We have multiple ECW people Chris on the show Chetty was on the show oh my favorite of all time chris chetty i booked i booked him from my parents household landline um chris chetty's there don marie's there francine's there new jack's there chris hamrick's there decent crowd 
let me paint the scenes here. This basket Nazi who's in the line comes from out of the line into the locker room, puts on a pair of red leather pants, gets out a Nazi flag and ties it around his neck like a cape and puts on some fucking snowboard goggles, Grandmaster Sexay style. Now, this is also, it's not bad enough the guy has told New Jack that he's the hardcore guy in Cleveland. He is now dressed like a Nazi on top of it. This is the kind of heat that Tracy Smothers would get. Oh. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I am I I was there. I'm 99% sure that Hamrick was all Confederate flagged out. Oh, oh he, yeah. Oh, that absolutely. was 100% his gear. But New Jack and Chris Hamrick, they were like best friends that friend. day. They were buddies from ECW. So... That fucking Nazi went out to some like some music that was similar to like Daniel Bryan's WWE music. <laughs> that guy was not the hardcore guy in Cleveland that night. That was definitely New Jack. Well, there was there was a whole lot of hardcore going on, but he wasn't on any of the offense. And I think if you go to YouTube, you can see Abdul the Butcher kick his ass. And uh, the poor guy, the basket Nazi, has ended up with hepatitis in the last few years. So I wonder why. Well, I was just saying, not surprised considering some of the stuff he did. Also that same night, Chris Chetty, we said we booked, or they booked Chris Chetty. I wasn't booking at this point. John was helping them. Uh, I fucking was really like 16 years old, and I would call these people to book them in like different states with a calling card, and then they would call back, and like my mom would answer and be like, no, I'm on the other line. You got to call back later. <laughs> Chris Chetty's calling. And, and she'd be like, oh, she'd be like, oh, uh, somebody, somebody named Chris Chetty called. Some guy named New Jack called. Yeah, because I, re- I remember you were corresponding with Christopher Daniels was when you said Ken Kennedy. Low-key, reckless youth, all kinds of people. But yeah, like uh, I would just book these people fucking on a landline. They didn't know that they were talking to a fucking teenager. Yeah, they had Chetty versus M-Dog 20 versus Matt Cross. And I remember specifically, I'm standing just in front of the, the draping that made up the locker room and New Jack standing right next to me. And all I'm listening to is New Jack continuing yelling, fuck him up, Chris! Fucking kill him! Fuck him up! And I'm going, holy shit, what is about to happen right now? And that's the night that, you know, Chris Chetty contributed to my delinquency when he said, hey, I got some words for you to live by. And I said, what's that, Mr. Chris Chetty, my favorite wrestler of all time? He said, if you walk up to every girl in the bar and say, hey, I want to fuck you, one of them will say yes. And I said, that is great advice. Guy couldn't have said, like, stay in school, get good yeah, grades. Chris Shetty could have led you to Harvard, but instead he <laughs> led you. Hey, man, Chris Shetty got me laid a couple times, probably. So, but, the Harvard of its own right. But so we had we had all those guys on there. That was the first time we had Francine. We would bring her back another time. Also, the first time I ever saw cocaine in my life, allegedly. A lot of growing up for young John Thorne at this show. Grew up fast, man. These fucking kids, they don't know what it's like to grow up in the 90s. Really fucking molded me for success. But we bring Francine back, and we we decided to bring her in. We were booked as part of a charity show, a 9-11 tribute show that all the local indies... This already sounds terrible. All the local indies were going to be part of. It was like... And and one of the last times wrestling was allowed in Mount Carmel, by the way. Prior to AIW. It It was at Mount Carmel. It was like what... It was like the Ohio version of what the original National Pro Wrestling Day was. It was like every company was going to come together. It was called United We Stand, and we were going to donate. They were, it was probably some scam that this well, fuck, does, the scam, put it the together. Sc- the scam was that it was supposed to donate money, but then it only drew about 50 people. Yeah, I was going to say, there were more people in the locker room than there were in the crowd that night. 
but for whatever reason, because we had we had connected with um, with Lou Marconi, who would later become the trainer at the school we established, Beef Stew Lou, and he had pulled strings to get us a tag match because we were still untrained goofballs. I was doing the the authority figure thing then, so I was more of a manager. Yeah, you've really had this authority figure thing going for about twenty years. I, you're, you're like the Stephen McMahon of AIW. I, seriously, I've been around for years That's, doing it, but I was doing the, the authority figure thing, so I was a manager, so they decided they're going to have this tag match, and we're going to bring Francine with us as a special guest referee. Were you guys running like the same weekend or something, or... I think I think so. Maybe I don't even know. I, we had to. We had just us being dicks and bringing Francine just because no. we knew it would piss everybody off. No, I think this was like Friday, and you guys were Sunday or something. Maybe that it makes sense. There, I know that one time we did book Francine to just go sit in the crowd with us at a local indie just because to they piss, tried to book her, and you just, guys told them no, just to piss everybody off for like a publicity something. Like we used to go and cause like a lot of trouble. But like, yeah, we just booked her to come sit in the crowd to just take attention away from every single person she in the was ring. A bigger name than anyone on that show. Man, I cheaped out. I just brought a newspaper that one time. <laughs> yeah, we brought Francine, like fresh off a of, like ECW run. And so she, of course, she was she was doing the Bronco Buster all the place. So they're laying out the match and they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do. And and they're like, listen, someone's got to take the Bronco Buster at some point. One of us has to take it. So it's the big debate: who's gonna oh, yeah. take twist, it? Twist my arm. <laughs> who's gonna take it? Well, she goes, "Listen, you've got this this heel manager. Use him." She goes, "Why don't you know? At the end of the match, he'll jump in. He'll give some some weak chair shot to somebody. Jump around and celebrate. You know, you lay him out, knock him down in the corner. Boom, he gets the Bronco Buster. So sure enough, get in there, give this weak chair shot, start jumping around, celebrating like I just won Game Seven of the World Series." Turn around, the face is waiting for me because it didn't affect him at all. Gives me a you know a right hand, sets me up in the corner. Here comes Francine Bronco Buster in the corner. How was it for you? It knocked the wind out of me. I bet it did. I was like, it had to be awesome. I'm like, it sucked. Yeah, it felt like I took your breath away kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? Literally knocked the wind out of me. It literally, there is no work about it. She is just bouncing on your chest. Oh, that's that sounds terrible. Tell the truth. Is that, is that the, first, the closest a vagina was to your face at that point in time she in your was, life? Oh, at that point in my life, it actually might have been. Poor <laughs> Flanagan. She was just happy to be back with the franchise. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a good one. Okay, well, one thing I remember from this 9-11 show, what, what was the t-shirt that almost got the show shut down? The t- oh, Lou Marconi lost his mind when, when one of the guys in our match showed up. And he thought, you know, 9-11 tribute, this will be At awesome. a church, a Catholic walks church, into, by the way. Walks into Our Lady of Mount Carmel, walks out of the locker room, gets his gear on, and is wearing a shirt that says, fuck terrorism. <laughs> Damn right he was. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't even put, like, two stars. It was just no, the word. it was plain as day. They looked at him and they went, what are you doing? Made him take it off, gave him some generic shirt to wear. And they should see the shit we do in Mount Carmel now. <laughs> Well, speaking of T-shirts, that's a good one, uh, Wadsworth. But let's talk about one of our new sponsors, Thrift Store Jobber. Uh, he's an AIW fan that uh, is after my heart with his merchandise. I'm going to blow the entire gate uh, next week on uh, these shirts. Let's talk about it. It's thriftstorejobber.bigcartel. You, you better not blow the entire gate on some fucking T-shirts. Thriftstorejobber.bigcartel.com. He's also on Instagram and eBay as Thrift Store Jobber. And I'll tell you the first shirt I'm going to buy. 
It's a size XL, so I'm just going to hang it on the wall. Oh, yeah? You're you going to squeeze into that one? No, I'm going to hang it on the wall. It's a styling and profile in a Ric Flair shirt, and it says, woo, on it. Only 30 bucks. That's a, wheeling and dealing, as he says. Wheeling and dealing. Well, I would pay an additional 30 bucks to watch you put that XL on. <laughs> Not happening. It's going to be hanging. I'm going to put it in a shadow box, hang it on the wall. Also, shout out the thrift store jobber for giving me that original recipe for loco one time at the AW show. It's <laughs> yeah. still in my fridge. I'm saving it for a real dark day. <laughs> That's going to be the dark. That'd be a dark week after that. Yeah, uh, I'm saving it. All right. Well, thank you, thrift store jobber. And we're back here with uh, Matt Wadsworth, the president of AIW. You've been around for a long time with AW and everybody, the early incarnations, everything beforehand. We've discussed that. What about different legends that you've come across? And during this time, do you have any memorable moments with any of those guys? I think my favorite one is we talked about the OU show, or you guys talked about the OU show. Ah, uh, yes. A little while ago, and, and obviously Honky Tonk Man being part of that. We see a McDonald's in the middle of nowhere. Swing in there with the Honky Tonk Man. We order our food, and, and Honky Tonk Man is spending this entire time trying to get them to recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so he's giving hints, but won't say who he goes, you know, you know, do I seem familiar to you at all? And they're, and <laughs> these did, he kids, sing, did he sing for them? He'd been, he'd been off television for 25 years yeah, at this yeah. point. I mean, this is what? 2000 something or other. Seven. 2007. So you have these guys probably weren't even born when he was on TV and they're, they're humor and I'm like, oh, yeah, you seem familiar. He's like, well, you ever watch wrestling? You know, you watch it back in the eighties. And he's like. And they're like, Hulk Hogan? And he's like, yeah, you know, now do I look familiar? They're like, Randy Savage? He's like, yeah, you know, they're naming everyone else except the Honky Tonk Man. Craig the Hammer Valentine? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's literally people like that that are directly associated with him. (laughs) And so we're sitting there and we're waiting for the food. He cannot get them. And finally he says something about Honky Tonk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we're waiting and, and he notices them taking the fries that have been sitting around. And going to throw, he goes, what, what are you guys going to do with those? They go, well, they can only sit for like seven minutes or something, and then we have to throw them out and put a fresh batch in. So he goes, well, if you're just going to throw them out anyways, why don't you just toss some in our bag? So like two medium fries he gets out of the deal, <laughs> thrown into the bag. See that, man? You work for Vince. You don't You don't need a retirement plan or anything like that. No, no, it's it's a gift that keeps on giving. A honky talk, man. Well, you know, they take that sushi tray at WrestleMania weekend right out of your fucking check. I, just, I'm, I mean, I just... I think it's amazing that the guy's been off television for 25 years, and he is just working hard to get those free French oh fries. He, without it, I mean, he was like, no, there's no, just throw. And they're like, yeah, okay. Well, he's cool. got those shoot interviews on YouTube, you know. <laughs> so we're leaving. We leave. We get in my car. We're getting ready to pull out. And there was a girl that had been on break that had walked in right as we were leaving. And she comes running out of McDonald's, running out of the doors, flagging the car down, waving frantically. So we stop, and Honky Tonk rolls down the passenger window, and she goes, are you really the Honky Tonk man? <laughs> the one person in the entire building that would have recognized him is on break the whole time. Comes spring after him, gets him to sign a flyer that, that was some makeshift flyer that we happen to have. He would have gotten the nuggets for free, too. And, and she's, my brother's going to go crazy when he finds out that I met you. The Honky Tonk man came to this very McDonald's. And that's, we pull out, and he's like, see? 
Still got it, kid. See what happens? Man, you go tell your friends I got you those fries. So this is a perfect segue because, as you alluded to, we have talked about the OU show previously on this show. And uh, if I remember correctly, a certain Matt Wadsworth disappeared with some ladies during that uh, that OU show. About 10. Ten ladies. Some, some of the accounts may have been a little exaggerated. Well, let's on that talk one. about why the ladies liked you. You were the only one to take thumbtacks and barboyer. Well, and that's the funny. You guys talked about me being in that match. We got down at the time we were doing commentary live over the house mic, and we got down there, and we're in this backyard with this crappy little sound system to play entrance music. We're like, I'm not fucking doing... goof sound system. I imagine. <laughs> we're like, I'm not doing commentary the whole time. None of these guys are gonna care. So we're like, well, what are we going to do? Screw it. I'll, I brought some shorts and a T-shirt. I'll, we'll wrestle. I'll get, get in there gear. with John. And he, so we're, we're coming up with this whole thing. And Thorne goes, all right, here's going to be the finish. I'm gonna, we're going to throw thumbtacks down. I'll, I'll bump you in the thumbtacks. <laughs> wrap barbed wire around your head. And I'll double stomp you. And I was like, all right, cool. Took one look at those college girls. You were game. <laughs> well, that's the, the gimpy girl sitting by the uh, entranceway with biggins. And, and she's like, she tells Biggins, is this guy cool? And he's like, yeah, this guy's awesome. How many drugs and alcohol were involved in your decision to think all of this was a good idea? I was actually sober at the time I made the decision. <laughs> Later in the night may not have been the case. At that point, I was still very sober. Now, see, I, you didn't even have to read Steve Guy's book. I was your wingman in Athens. <laughs> <laughs> Referee Drew Taylor, I'm talking to him afterwards. And he's, he's talking to these two girls, and he says... I mean, we're going to go out. They're, they're taking me to some party that's going on. You want to? I said, well, let me get a shower real quick because I just wrestled and I smell. So, you know, no yeah. No way. Cool. You got to get, you got to, girls love that scent, man. You no, got to give off that, those pheromones. Masculine. Those pheromones. So I go shower, get dressed. We, and they take us to some apartment, you know, for a party and we're, we're drinking at the apartment and eventually we get bored there, start going to some bars. They buy me like this chalice like medieval chalice filled with beer college life man i should have went to college instead of going <laughs> i should have went to college instead of going to that canadian rub and tug and i still remember you guys said the biggest star that that whole weekend that night was tarver oh yeah michael tarver was a giant star in athens ohio if you had 10 he probably had 20 oh my god he was insane so he shows up at this bar that we're at and the the girls we were with instantly are like oh hey who at the party are telling everyone, yeah, he got slammed in, in thumbtacks and he had barbed wire. And of course, the barbed wire didn't do a damn thing to my head, but I'm pointing to the tiny red mark on my head going, yeah, I had barbed wire on my head. So we're at this party. We go over to the bar. Tarver shows up at the bar. The lengths the wrestlers will go to to fucking pick up a chick, though, right? <laughs> Tarver shows up. He sits down, starts BS with us. You know, the girls instantly turn their attention to him. So and like you were saying, they bought you beer. He wasn't drinking at the time, so anytime somebody would offer him a free drink, he would take an energy drink. Yeah. So then by so the end of the was, night, he had like he a seizure. Was, what, and this was towards yeah, the end of did, the night. This he, was almost closing time. At he the did. Bar. He did have a seizure in the honky tonk man's hotel room because he drank like something like twenty seven Red Bulls. So I, you know, I the girls go off to the bar for something, and I made a comment to him. I was like, "Hey, man, these these girls totally shifted their attention." There, and he was like, "Say no more." Fucking girls are at the bar. He just disappears. Like Get out of here. Get out of here, you fucking in-shape guy. <laughs> Jacked black dude. I fucking, no one's looking at me. I took barbed wire tonight, bro. <laughs> yeah. 
As far as they knew, you were the king of the death match. And then Tarver ended up having a seizure in Honky Tonk Man's room. Honky Tonk Man stayed up all night telling us stories about how the airline industry imports all the drugs into America. And then a real bad story about how he had an affection in his junk. Uh, and then the best is he would eat the we uh, ordered pizza. Allegedly, he said all these allegedly. Things. He would eat the pizza and then throw the crust out the door, and he was perfect every time. Said he should have been a ball player. Tarver also did a demonstration on how to wrestle with the college girls, and there's a couple nip slips. Yeah, he would get them in the ring and, like, scoop slam them. Biggins, paying attention to those nip slips always. Yeah. What's that? uh, Matt Riot runs off into the woods with a girl. were Were you posting those on Mr. Skin, Biggins? Yeah, I had time codes about when it was on the DVD. But uh, I like how you said about Ref Drew Taylor. That was actually the night that we looked around and we go, oh, shit, we don't have any refs. Uh, we don't have a ring announcer. And that's how Drew Taylor and Pedro got cast in their roles because we go, hey, we got like four guys. You they do were this, ring crew at the time. Yeah, they were just they ring were, crew. They were our ring and crew. And security. And that's how they ended up with jobs in professional wrestling is going to this college thing. Let's try to, to wrap this bad boy up on a, on a positive note. It's been a pleasure this President's Day, President's Size edition of uh, the card is going to change with the president of AIW, Matt Wadsworth. Uh, you've become the commentator for all the shows of the guys uh, you know that maybe have gone on the main roster because so many wrestlers have sat through, sat there with you. Any stories of working with any of those guys early on that you enjoyed or maybe they sat in on commentary with you? Uh, Santa Ana commentary is a, is a more recent one. Um, but some of the guys, you know, obviously Seth Rollins was a guy and, and he was one that it was, as they've talked about, kind of a dark era for AIW. Right. There was not a lot of quality coming out of those shows. So he stood out then. And even then I was like, man, this guy is the MVP. Like he doesn't have a bad match for us. What about the time the Sandman caned you, man? That was fucking sweet. Sandman, that goes back again to the earlier days before we booked Francine. The great idea was we were going to bring in Tommy Dreamer. To be a special guest ref, so we're we're watching Raw together one night, and who jumps the rail out of the crowd as part of the invasion? But Tommy Dreamer, and none of us had any idea this was coming. He was supposed to be on the show three weeks later, so they call him up, and and he's like, "Yeah, sorry, it was a last minute thing. We had I couldn't a, tell anybody. We had a sweet commercial on our website to a Lincoln Park song. We were and really he, promoting this fucking." We're really promoting this. So he says, I'll tell you what, I'll get the Sandman for you. And you're paying the bandwidth for the commercial because there was no such thing as YouTube. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was on, on the website. It was on whatever the website was, like EFW. It was embedded on the website. EFW.tv. So he, he gets the Sandman for us. So again, I was doing the, the authority figure thing, and I had to come out at the beginning of the show, and I was the, the bad guy authority figure who was working with the the top bad guy. So I we come out at the beginning of the show and I announced that Tommy Dreamer's not going to be there. You were and I believe you were in a group named The Faction. The Faction indeed with with Brian Backstreet and the Pretty Boy. The Faction. It was well thought out. Mortimer P Flanagan and his evil The Faction. <laughs> so the Duke. So I I proceed to run down ECW and talk about how we don't need Dreamer there. Here comes the Sandman. Sandman comes out. I start running my mouth to him thinking I've got back up. Turn around. They disappear. Turn back around. Wham. Cane shot to the head. The only problem was, if you've seen the kendo sticks that, that the Sandman normally carries, 
They have a little bit of give to them. They they bend when he swings. He didn't bring this one. We bought it from the Eastern Arts yeah, no, it, store at the Parmesan Mall. He had been in Canada. And we've already detailed. You guys didn't know very much of what you were doing at no, this point. No, he had been in Canada. Speak for yourself, pal. Like the night before or the week before or something. He, and they lot, apparently his kendo sticks were a separate piece of luggage from all of his other luggage. You can't carry that on, man. And he said, they lost the bag with my kendo sticks. Well, what the hell are you going to do when you book the Sandman and he doesn't have kendo sticks? Something tells me he didn't have kendo sticks. Like, can we talk about that, though? There was a store in a mall where you could just buy, like, buy kendo sticks. Viking swords and, all like, kendo all sticks. Kinds of stuff they had. And, what, like, mall, what store was this? Chinese throwing stars. It was literally, like, Eastern Arts was the name of it. Chinese throwing stars and, like, fucking, like, all kinds of, like, you could just walk in there and buy and it. I know from, from going in there, they never checked IDs once. I had, like, a dragon knife or something. Yeah, I remember people from my high school people from my high school would go there and buy like all these weapons the is, brass knucks with is, a knife is that the is that the knife that you still sleep with next to your bed because the werewolf broke into your house no that's another knife i don't talk about that knife so, cut, cut this out let's cut, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so no let's hear let's i think the world needs to hear your your werewolf story uh, that's a story for, that's a story for another show cut, cut this out so he hits me with this cane shot Instantly, and I literally, I'm laying on the mat checking my head because it hurt so bad and it was so warm. I was convinced he had found a way to split me open with a kendo stick. And I check it. It's just so I, I roll out and I get help backstage and I get backstage. And one of the guys had something wrapped with an ace bandage. After the match, they're like, I got an idea. They proceed to take the ace bandage off like a leg, sweaty as hell, and wrap it around my forehead. Sandman takes one look and cracks up. It's the best thing he's ever seen in his life, apparently. And there's a, I have a still frame because it was on VHS. Somebody got me a VHS at one point and I captured it on a computer. And it's this stick is completely wrapped around my skull. Sandman, by the way, Sandman, by the way, rocking a FUBU baseball jersey all day and just doing so much cocaine. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly doing so much cocaine in front of a bunch of teenagers. Allegedly, the first words he said off the plane to a teenage John Thorne were, Hey, man, know where I can get some coke? Yep. That's exactly what he said. Such a great role models. It was me, him, and Francine in a car. And I mean, this is how, why I turned out the way I did, man. You're really, you're really learning oh, so much. Wait till, wait till, so wait till we get into my origin story. It's gonna get dark. So many questions I never knew, uh, questions I never knew I had being answered right all all day today. This is great, Matt Wadsworth. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, once again, thanks to all of our sponsors: Smartmark Video, Angelo's Pizza, Jack Prince, and of course the new sponsor, Thrift Store Jobber, Chandler Biggins' favorite. He loves doing those table reads. And uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us uh, this past weekend at AIW Show, the Walk the Plank Show that we had. So thanks for coming out to that. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. For John Thorne and Chandler Biggins, I'm Steve Guy. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks. At least it was just a thanks this time. You know.